It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, December 13th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that, man, oh, we were so close, so close, but alas, the comeback was not fully to be. That's hockey. We're going to talk about that OT loss to the Preds. We're going to dig into one of your mailbag questions on what are the chances for the Flyers and more of them all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. We as a show are on Instagram threads, Blue Sky and Twitter at Locked On Flyers as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, we, you know, talked about some things leading up to this game against Nashville, one of which was what the lineup would look like. And we surmised that they could stick with the 11-7, but if they went back to 12-6, it would more likely than not be that Ryan Paling was ready to come back in. And sure enough, that is indeed what happened there. Yep, he was back in. He had a pretty good game. I mean, he had a nice block. Um, I still would rather have seen Lixell there. If this is the end of Lixell's run here and he got in one game just because Paling was sick, I just don't think it's great. But, you know, I'm happy Ryan Paling's in, too. You know, double-edged sword there. Yeah, um, I think it was good, though, that they put him back on the fourth line. Obviously, they want to give him limited minutes coming back from an illness, but also it allowed the other three lines to stay together as they were. And we got to see more of that Frost, Brink, Tippett line, which I think is is continuing to build chemistry. It is. I mean, they definitely were getting chances. I think it's not in Morgan's nature, but I think for the for the moments now, and same with Brink, for the moments now that that Tippett's going to struggle a little bit, those guys are going to have to try and bury it themselves. They're all trying to yeah. keep it. It's not happening. So they're going to have to, you know, take some chances themselves. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I saw Brink trying to do it for sure. Like, you yeah. know, on that wraparound, he had a couple other tries that yeah. he was trying to, like, do the job himself. But uh, unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to break through there because it was difficult for anyone to break through there. I think, obviously, the biggest factor in this game was Yusei Saros. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him. He has, you know, some of these games where he is great like that. And, you know, the thing about it is he is a guy that gives up rebounds, but they have a strong D and they're used to clearing them. So that's where it, it becomes tough because you see the rebound, but then you got to run through these gigantic defensemen to try and get to the puck. And that's where, you know, it becomes a battle. I mean, Nashville does try and wear you down. And I do think, you know, the Flyers did get worn down late in the period. A lot of blocks, too. I mean, you, you have over 20 blocks. You know, and the worry for me is long term on that. Like now, even the game against, game against Chicago, um, Washington, you know, the next game, they're going to be banged up. This is where I think 
you know, again, I might make a lineup change because I just think these guys are just going to get beat up over the course of time. So this is where I, you know, I would love to see Lexell get in there, but I don't think he's going to. Well, we'll see on that front. I do think that's where, uh, you know, one of your early points in terms of one of the predictions that we made about this game coming true in terms of it potentially turning into a track meet. And, you know, that's kind of what happened, especially in the third period there, Uh, mostly on the Nashville side of things. Flyers got hemmed in their own zone for quite some time and had difficulty clearing it out. Uh, Very nerve wracking there. Uh, But Yossi is just a world class skater, man. I mean, just, you know, this is why I say if you want to get a defenseman like that, you've got to draft them. You know, that's the way you get guys like this. And He's just a world-class skater, and Forsberg is just, you know, he's a force out there. I, I think both of them, obviously, just skated circles around the Flyers at times. Um, you know, obviously, you saw Konechny, you saw Tippett you know, going the other way sometimes, yeah. but um, it, it just wasn't enough. And when your last line of defense is, you say, Saros having one of those games, it's really difficult to get one in. I, I thought it was really good for the Flyers that that Couturier goal, uh, just because scoring a goal at the end of the period is often a momentum changer. No question. And I think it, and I think that helped tremendously going into the third period. Uh, Flyers did get a little help from the officials, I would say, on that oh, yeah. second goal in in terms of not calling uh, the Konechny penalty, but. He also didn't call some other stuff during the game. So I, I feel like it it legitimately evened out in terms of yeah. non-calls that got made. Um, both teams kind of got hosed a little bit mm-hmm. by some of the officiating. So I'm not like too worried about that. But um, I do think that um, they just, yeah, they got kind of tired at the end of the game and were just overly relying on the shot blocking. And and I think that ultimately, you know, that's what led to the Na- the Nashville Predators having momentum going into to the overtime, even though the yeah. Flyers had tied it back up. Right. I mean, the one thing that Nashville was figuring out, and, and it was in the third period, is that's hey, if you guys are going to block the shot, we're going to hold the puck, go from behind the net, and see if we can win a crease battle or two. And then it became harder for Urson. Like that's when. You know, he, he played a great game. He did. He played a really good game. But, you know, he, he was he was battling. He was. Yeah, you could definitely tell that he was uh, a little more flaily than usual. Oh, and yeah. it was out of necessity. It wasn't anything bad that he was doing, oh. but it was just because the attack was relentless and he just had yeah. to be everywhere at all times, uh, given the way that sort of the Flyers D was structured around the net and not able to clear the puck because they were focused on the shot blocking and not the clearing right. of the puck. I think that that's what was going on there. Um, I, th- I think the other factor that we got to bring up again is the power play. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it, it just wasn't there. Um, I, I think they were getting their chances, but um, really if you dig into it, there weren't a ton of really solid scoring chances there. I think there were shots on goal, but not like, as quality scoring chances as you might think. Well, they're doing some weird things now. So it's like, okay, I understand you You really like Tyson Forster and you like his shot. Tippett's shot is just as good. So, like, now Tippett's on power play two. Why? Like, it's just last year he was on power play one. Now he's on power play two. Ristolainen was on the point late in that game on the power play. Like, I'm not sure I'm putting Ristolainen on the point. 
I get it if you don't think Cam York's, you know, shooting well or anything, that's fine. But I'm still not sure Ristolainen's the the answer on that. They threw in Lawton in there. I know Lawton, you know, did get a, a power play point or two early in the season. I don't know what it's been lately. I haven't really tracked it. But everybody was shocked that Lawton was on the power play. They're just throwing anything out there, that you know, at times on that second power play. Honestly, I see it just because he is so good on that power kill that they're thinking, uh-huh. well, maybe he can translate that, you know, puck feeding or that stretch passing to the yeah. power play and, and have it go somewhere. So I do get that to some degree, but I just like they, they got to figure out a way to solve these goaltenders that are really good, that are just getting in the way, especially on the power play. And, and that's, you know, I think between that and the, you know, getting hammered for good portions of the third period. I, I think ultimately that's what led to them not winning this game like six to two. I don't know if they're ever going to win six to two, but I get your point. I mean, look, even in that third period, Forster had a wide open shot high. Remember I said, you really, most of the time you're going to beat Saros high if you're going to beat him, and, you know, he missed the net and, you know, I get it. He's young and, but you know, when you have a shot like that, you have to really start putting it on the net because otherwise that's what's going to happen. You're going to get that chance. And if you don't bury it, you're just going to shake your head a little bit. And so those chances, you know, there were there at times, uh, you know, yep. Tippett's still trying to force the puck in on the, on the short side. 99% of the NHL goalies aren't falling for that. And then Brian Boucher made a good point. Now, again, it's easy for all of us to say while we're watching, but, because Tippett has scored on a couple backhands, but you know when he did have a break on the net, had he gone backhand the forehand, he probably would have had a much easier time trying to score in that third period. And instead, he goes backhand and it goes wide. These were all decisions that matter. Yeah. Well, the Flyers had a lot of those chances last night. Uh, they certainly got a, a lion's share of the points on this road trip with five of six. And that leads a lot of people to ask the question, what are the Flyers' chances? And uh, we got a good mailbag question that was about that topic. We'll get to it coming up next. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets. And with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you'll have. My favorite part of the Game Time app is that it's great for getting notified about last minute tickets and flash deals. Plus, you can get that all important view from your seat. My last Game Time purchase was for some theater tickets. I had a great time and got like third or fourth row center seats to an amazing show. Game Time has deals on all the tickets right up to the start of the event and depending on the event, up to an hour after it starts. Also, the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with the code LOCKEDONNHL. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Tomorrow on the show, we will preview that matchup against the Washington Capitals, and we'll look at a couple of draft-eligible prospects in Artem Levshinov and Aaron Kiviharyu, who the latter of which, very interesting story there. So looking forward to talking about that. 
in the meantime, um, we are having our mailbag segment today, but there was one question we got that I think warranted a larger discussion. So we're going to do a whole segment on it right now. And that was from Ryan. And he asked, would you say the Flyers are currently overachieving or just simply better than what preseason predictions were saying? I'm saying they are better than preseason predictions. And that was Ryan talking there with that last statement. And it is really interesting to take a look at and a very good question, I think, just because there is at this point in the season such a big difference in terms of the preseason prognostication and I would say even you know from us and and from people around locked on NHL we've done power rankings we continue to do power rankings week to week on the network and um you know Flyers did not start off in a good position overall uh preseason no I think it's both though I hate to be that guy but I do think it's both because I think they were going to be hard to figure out this preseason because you know, if Couturier was going to be back to Couturier, which so far he is, and Atkinson was going to be, you know, you knew they were going to be better uh, than last year. There's just there was no way around that. And so that was a part of, you know, this that that definitely, I would say, made it a lot harder. So I, I do think it's both. And I don't know if it's enough runway yet to say that they're not overachieving. So I'm going to say they're overachieving still. Yeah, I can see why you're saying that. And, you know, you look at, at, at some of these, numbers where you know you look at money puck 17.1 percent chance to make the playoffs preseason now it's at 49 percent in their algorithm hockey news said dead last in the division preseason the flyers um were at 29th in the preseason on the espn power rankings now at 15 uh the Athletic just did their latest update in their standings projections. Their playoff chances are now at 31%, according to their formula. It was 1% at the preseason. Uh, so a, just a tremendous, I think, achievement in and of itself to get that far. And I think that, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, 49% for Money Puck, which has one way of doing it. Athletic says 31% they're all still below 50% here. Like, I don't think anybody is saying, you know, even ESPN putting the Flyers at 15, power rankings are a little different beast than- Yeah, actually. that's more like, what are you doing today? Yeah, exactly, in terms of making the playoffs, but even that is kind of borderline playoffs. Some of the right? other ones it, look at strength of schedule and stuff, but what they yeah. all have in common is if they were to lose five or six in a row, it does change things dramatically, it does. Right. And so I do think that they that you're right, then that they are overachieving to a large degree, because I don't think any of these people that predicted the Flyers to be worse than they are, are dumb. I think they were just going with the evidence that they had at hand. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, they the Flyers still are going to have to prove it all year. And even at the trading deadline, that'll be the uh, the make it or break it time as far as management, what they're going to do to even see how much they believe in it. Right. And and I think, you know, you look at the point you made about Sean Couturier, especially, and Cam Atkinson. Um, we've sort of seen sort of mixed results from Cam Atkinson this season, but Sean Couturier seems to be on the path to getting better and better. He's improving mm -hmm. at his bread and butter things mm -hmm. game to game. Um, he looks more comfortable in the minutes he's getting from game to game. 
So I, I think that's a good sign. I think that we saw some flashes of really good stuff from some of the younger guys at the end of last season when they got those opportunities, but it was kind of playing with house money then. And so right. it's hard for somebody trying to predict to carry that into the next season. And then when we got the roster and what we've seen so far, Bobby Brink, I think, is the one guy who has really stepped up in a way and been given the opportunity to do that in terms of making the roster and playing on a mostly regular basis here. But as far as, you know, the part of the equation that some of the younger guys stepping up here, like we haven't fully seen that come into fruition. And, and that's natural as mm -hmm. part of this rebuild process that they're doing and the strategy that they're using right now. And so it's hard to predict on the youth player side of things too, which one of them are going to hit. Was Owen Tippett going to continue from last season? All of that stuff, right? Right. So like with the Brink part, the Tippett part, and even to a large degree, the Forster part, uh, you know, Brink has done very well. He's not lightning on fire, but he's done well. Forster has done well in some parts of the game. He got a little bit hot but he's still not doing what you would expect him to do um, when he's going to be a solid NHL. Tippett's kind of like in the middle. He's not performing his best. He's not performing his worst. So if those three guys were performing at their best right now, then you would have to say, okay, they're a serious contender, but still in the back of the mind, you would wonder, are they going to get snake bitten with injuries at some point? Cause it, they have guys that are, you know, that it could happen to. So there's that, component too. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at it on the blue line side of things as well, where Travis Sandheim is playing uh, better than he was last season yeah. and he had to step up and he has, you know, I would say for the most part, um, I think, you know, we got a surprise with Sean Walker in terms of how well he has been playing uh, overall. I think Nick Steeler has stepped up a little bit and is playing better. You know, we joke about him sometimes, but He's a solid NHL defenseman that has proven that at least in this group of defensemen, he deserves to be out there every game. And so, I mean, he's moved up to NHL average. I think the other part of this, and I said it this morning when I was asked on, on Sirius, was that I don't think Walker and Sealer are a second pairing duo in this league long term. I don't think you could ride that for the entire season. I, I just don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, and that could be. Uh, but I think, you know, circling back to all of this, I think that's where you get, okay, some of these guys are overachieving a little bit. Some of them are what they are, and, and people didn't have faith that they would be. And, and that's where you get both sides of the coin here. Yeah. And I think that, that the other sort of X factor here is looking at the team as a whole, where um, and I've talked about this before. I didn't see the culture change happening last season, but I I do see it happening this season. And yeah. I think that accounts for a big part of it is this winning culture change that guys are just going to do what they can to try and win every game. They're not in a losing mentality. They don't get tripped up by a loss. They can come back from it much better than they could last year. They don't spiral the way that they did. And And I think the team deserves a lot of credit for that. They do. I mean, that's where you get John Tortorella credit. Those things are working well. And I think largely 
you know, they've done a good job with the uh, with the defense, but again, I'm still gonna question question it a bit. I am. The thing about probably the most interesting thing about this season is if the Flyers were going to be a playoff team, they have to be better than 500 at home. Right now, that's what they are, 500 at home. And maybe it's at home that you're going to see not their best play. Maybe not their worst, but maybe their average and below average play. And maybe there's something that's to be said about that. Maybe, you know, there are some times you just can't explain why a team may not do well at home. But as an example, what's the difference between the Islanders and the Rangers compared to the Flyers? Rangers are nine and two at home. The Islanders are seven, three and five at home. You know, even if you want to go look at Florida, they're nine and four at home. Boston's ten and two and one. If they got to that point with their home record and still played like this on the road, it would give you more, you know, more ammo. But right now it's not yeah. the case. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, too. I think you can also look at, you know, and this is a topic for a whole nother day, but just the mere fact that uh, Carolina and New Jersey are both underachieving as well yeah. in the division. And do we think that's going to happen all year? I mean, I don't, but it's possible. Like, anything's possible in this league. Like, you could say that, and I think it's largely true, but of the two teams, I still think New Jersey will snap out of it, even though I don't love their goaltending. Carolina... Um, without Svechnikov now and without Anderson, is it possible that, you know, they're going to need some real reinforcements? It is possible. Yeah. So I think we have to look at all of that and, and then come back to that conclusion that we started with, Russ, to your point, it's both. Yeah. It's a hundred percent both. And then there's these outside divisional factors happening. It's a competitive as... division. It is. It's very competitive. Yeah. Well, it is a good question and we'll continue to talk about it as the season continues. In the meantime, we have more of your questions and they will be coming up next. You know that feeling when your favorite Flyers player scores a hat trick? If you want to get that feeling and win 100 times your money, play Daily Fantasy Hockey on the Sleeper app. As the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for Daily Fantasy sports, especially Daily Fantasy Hockey. Fans can also play Daily Fantasy, NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football on Sleeper, and entries can be made in under a minute. With elite players like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and Austin Matthews, plus the new guys like Connor Bedard, all you need to do is make more or less picks on stats for these stars. Choose from stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. To win 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flyers fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleepers to so start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See sleepers terms for use for details and locational availability. Locked On has launched its first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering all the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows like Locked On NHL covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube to subscribe. Uh, more of your mailbag questions here. Evan wants to know, does Cutter Gautier join the Flyers after his season with Boston College? The team is playing better than expected, and he can add to the winning culture in the locker room, gets him a little bit of NHL experience, and get a feel for what the NHL is like, like and can improve even more in the offseason. I mean, I think he does. I'm about 75-25 he does. 
I wouldn't put too much pressure on him when he gets there, like making him the savior, saying like that's this is a pickup like for the playoffs. You know, I I, I would hesitate at all that because he could end up having the same trouble as Tyson Forster. He's got a great shot, and maybe you know that shot doesn't go in for a while. So, but I do think he um, he's going to sign. Yeah, I think honestly, this is a decision that's going to get made well after or right after the season is over for Boston College. I think maybe how that team does overall this season will have a lot to do with it as well in terms of is he going to feel like there's unfinished business here, you know, if they don't do well in the Frozen Four, all of that. Like, that happens. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like this is definitely a postseason decision for him, and I think it should be. I think Mm-hmm. It's better for him to wait and you know, put everything on the table for himself and his family and figure out what the right next move is for him. Uh, Randy had a couple of good questions. Uh, a trade suggestion, uh, risk line into Toronto for Nick Robertson and do whatever necessary to make the salaries work. Is that a possibility? No, because Toronto, Toronto has no cap space. Nick Robertson doesn't make much. Like the Flyers, I don't, you know, I, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but that would be eating an awful lot of cap space. So I think um, it would be on the verge of not being possible. If you get a third team involved, sure. But again, yeah. I don't see it happening because Toronto is not going to want uh, a guy with that much term in, uh, in Ristolainen. And that's, that's really the problem. Yeah, I think so. I think that's really like the Flyers are in such a, a decent cap position right now. Like they've done some really good work to get into a workable cap position. It's not the greatest, but it's much better than it was. And so to like figure to change that, I don't know, you know, especially with trying to, to get, you know, Risto fitting into the Leafs somehow that have like literal zero dollars in cap space. I I don't know that that's something that makes sense right now. Um, The other question um, is a fun one that I always love to answer. Uh, Penalties should end when a shorthanded goal is scored just as they do for a power play goal. Why? Why? I mean, just because the other team scored doesn't mean that should negate the chance what happened on the ice that gave the other team a chance with the power play. I can't go for that. Yeah. I think that I'm all for, um, you know, the situation where the penalty continues to the end of the penalty, regardless if a power play goal is scored. I think the player should serve the full two minutes, Yeah. you know, regardless, and the team should have as much power play time as possible. But this side of it, I don't know, man. I think you just get rewarded for the shorthanded goal, but the penalty, to your point, still has to be accounted for. So that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's that's the only you know the right thing to do here. You gotta gotta serve your time, man. Right. <laughs> uh, Chuck wants to know uh, what is Alan McCauley up to? How is he interacting with Breer, and how is he ensuring success in player development? I know he's at games. We don't. We're not privy to what happens with he and Danny. They definitely talk. They have meetings. There's no question about it. They set the roster. He was a big reason with setting the roster. He a big part of it with Briere. There's good with it. There's bad with it. But I don't think it's. I don't think it was a bad job. I think there's just too many, and that's sometimes not his fault either because guys get sent down. And now what do you do with them? You make a trade. You got extra guys. You know that wasn't really probably accounted for. In July, right? Because I don't remember what month did they um, get Cal Peterson 
and Walker. I mean, that was like in the free agent frenzy time, right? Yeah. So it's close to around that time. But maybe they had, you know, so who knows if that was in the plan or that happened. And then it's like, well, now we've got these extra guys. We got to figure it out. Right. So I think he's doing okay. As far as player development, now that's a whole different thing <coughs> that we need more time with because I got to ask around some more. I got to see what they're doing. I can't give an answer to that, except for what we talk about on every Tuesday about how players are doing. That's the best way of right. seeing player development. Do I know that they have a sign-up sheet for you know a skills coach? No, they probably don't because they don't have a skills coach. That's just for the Flyers. Should they have it for the Flyers and the Phantoms? That's hard because. Again, now you're, you know, so I, they don't get the same uh, things that the Flyers do, the same things to train with, the same everything. Yes, they're in the same facility, but they don't get all those shiny things. So, you know, we'll see how the rest goes. But that's something for later in the year. Yeah, and I think it'll have to do with call-ups that may or may not happen. You know, we'll see how those decisions are made and what decisions are made along those lines as well, that'll be a big part of evaluating Alan McCauley as sort of the de facto uh, Phantoms GM there. Uh, last question for today, Jared wants to know, uh, Danny Breer did an interview with Charlie O'Connor over at Philly. He shied away from signing or saying he will sign high-end talent and cited the cost. Is that just for now or for the future too? It's a good question because it wasn't very clear Reading it through the first time, which is the way I like to do it, because otherwise you can read too much into words, right? Because something's getting transcribed, you know. So my feeling was when I read that, this is almost like John Tortorella speaking. When he is saying, we're not ready yet for these, you know, big name guys or expensive guys. I'll let you know when I feel like that team is there. I feel like this is still being run by with what John said in mind. More John than Danny. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't see them wavering this year from, you know, avoiding being buyers at the deadline. I think they could change their mind if they're going to be sellers or stayers, so to speak, uh, you know, or big sellers versus small sellers at the deadline. I just don't see them changing that strategy for this year because I think they really have to set themselves up well for the draft and to have assets for it right. and for and going into next year's free agency period, plus with all the contracts they have to negotiate it. I just don't think there's room for it. And I think they know that. I think that's where the, the mind changing could happen is in between selling big and selling small. And and that's where I see the wiggle room being. Yeah, I mean if there was a world where they could make the playoffs and they're getting a load of extra draft picks for this draft, great. But that's not. That's a very hard world to navigate. That usually doesn't happen. Yeah, I agree. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, like I said, tomorrow we'll be back with a preview of our matchup against the Washington Capitals, uh, who are also a little bit on the upswing right now. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you've got questions you want us to answer, you can send them to us via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.